I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. The fact that if you don't sleep train your child, that's okay. That's totally about you. But if you are not happy and you are not healthy and your family is not well-rested, you can change that. Mm. It does not have to be that parenthood equals sleep deprivation. Welcome back to the Motherhood Podcast, a live workshop-style podcast that is helping thousands of moms redefine their motherhood journey. There was a point in my life when I was trying to do all the things, parent my kids, pour into my marriage, run a busy law practice, keep up my home, and what I found was that I was on the fast track to burnout until I discovered a better way. Now I help women just like you to close the gap between their vision of motherhood and what they're actually experiencing in their day-to-day -day lives. Together, we'll explore when and where to simplify, systemize, and surrender. I promise you, you're already doing so much better than you think. I'm your coach, Michelle Grosser, and this is Motherhood. Welcome to today's show. I am your motherhood coach, Michelle Grosser, and today's guest is Becca Campbell. Becca is a certified pediatric sleep consultant, and she's the CEO and founder of Little Z's Sleep and the Sleep Sorority. She has guided tens of thousands of families through the exhausting world of newborn, baby, and toddler sleep, and is trusted by pediatric clinics and medical specialists across the country. Becca is also the host of the number three globally ranked pediatric podcast, Little Z's Sleep Podcast, and her expertise has been featured in outlets like Parents Magazine, NBC News, Yahoo Life, and Toddler Purgatory. As a CEO, wife, and mother of two, she understands the importance of a restful, restorative sleep. So she's dedicated to helping families make sleep a thing. You guys, this is something that I have really struggled with with my girls, especially my oldest. Man, we had such a hard time 
getting her to sleep. If you can relate in any way, you are going to love today's episode. Enjoy. So Becca, thank you so much and welcome to the Motherhood Podcast. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for thinking of me. Yeah, my pleasure. Becca hosts her own podcast. Tell them a little bit about what it is, what you, where they can find you, what what you do. And then she's a fellow mom. You have two kids. Mm -hmm. And then I guess your sleep journey, you shared with me a little bit when we spoke previously, how you found yourself teaching moms and families about sleep. It's really cool. Yeah. So my name, like you said, is Becca Campbell, but it's funny because I go to the grocery store and people are like, are you little Z's? People mostly just know us as like little Z's. Um, so little Z sleep is our company and I'm Becca. And so our podcast is called little Z sleep podcast. Very original. Um, and every platform you can find us on is little Z sleep, Instagram, YouTube podcast. Everything is just that one handle, um, which is great because it really obviously encapsulates what we do. We help little kids get sleep. And, um, so we focus on ages zero to five years old and we offer sleep courses for those different age groups, newborn, baby, toddler, and preschool, um, really from baby, toddler, and preschool. That's what you think of when you're sleep training. So I sleep train. A lot of people are scared of that term and we'll talk about that, but we sleep train babies, toddlers, and preschools through our online course. And our newborn course is sleep education on how to make sleep a thing from the beginning. So that's really our, our, our phrase that I said, just started saying years ago was like, we want to help you make sleep a thing because when you become a mom, it just is not a thing anymore. And that certainly was my case. So this all got started. I have two girls who are now eight years old and six years old, but my eight-year-old um, eight years ago was not sleeping. And I just thought, you know, I brought her home from the hospital, like fully equipped with all the things that a baby needs. Um, I had taken the breastfeeding basics class. I had taken the tour of the hospital. I had known a little bit about childbirth. And, you know, if you're a mom with, I think even a five-year-old and up, you know, that Instagram is not what it was five plus years ago. Um, and so I was not even like, I was not aware of things out there in the world. And so I just thought I'll bring this kid home. She'll sleep. I will breastfeed her. Everything will be great. And then 12 weeks later, I'll go back to work and there we go. I'll just be an elementary school teacher for the next 40 years. That's not at all what happened. So brought her home. She was not sleeping. She was cranky and irritable and just screamed all the time. Meanwhile, my breastfeeding journey was horrendous and we had a really difficult um, labor and delivery. And so what I didn't know now that I know is I was definitely experiencing some trauma over like, oh my gosh, this is not what I thought this was supposed to be. Um, I, my epidural didn't work. So like literally from the moment everything was going on, like I was just blindsided. Like I literally thought that like the, because I had the epidural, but nobody told me it wasn't working. Like I was like, this sucks. Like, why would anybody sign up for like to have, like, if that's what like the epidural was, I can't imagine imagine what childbirth was like. And then come to find out at the end, like, they're like, yeah, sorry. And just never worked. So, you know, I thought I was going in with one birth plan and like literally pushed her out thinking like this sucks. And like, literally that encapsulates her entire newbornhood is that I thought we were doing this one thing, but in reality, this other thing was actually happening. And I was just living in a reality that was not real. And so I was disappointed. I was frustrated. I was sleep deprived. And I woke up one morning to Ellie, who was three months old at the time under my duvet covers. And that was my red light of like, oh my gosh, why is my baby underneath my covers in my bed? Like something has to change. We got to figure this out. So I just ran to the computer and was like, how do you get a baby to sleep? Because she would never sleep. She would never close her eyes. She was awake for hours on end. And I just thought, I have a really alert baby. Mm. I've heard so many moms say that. Oh, my baby's just really alert. When in reality, they are exhausted and they need to go to sleep. And so once I Googled 
you know, how to do that. I of course got bombarded with ads for books and, and programs and all these things. And um, that's when I discovered that there are sleep consultants, people who can help you get your baby to sleep. So I went down that path because I was so tired. I needed someone to help me. Um, and once she started sleeping 12 hours through the night within just three nights, I was like, what? This is amazing. <laughs> I need to tell other people about this. And so then I became a sleep consultant and that was now seven years ago. So little Z's in total, we've helped over 15,000 families get the sleep that they need. Um, I love how helping people with that. I love seeing that transformation of uh, total sleep deprivation. Like we were to, Oh my gosh, my kid can actually rest. And now I can get a babysitter. Now I can like live my life. I can have time in the evenings. I can wake up in the morning and have coffee before my kid gets up. Like you get to be you again. And you lose that when you become a mom. And so when your kid sleeps, you get that time for yourself again, which everybody needs that. So I'm a huge advocate for sleep training and for getting that help that you need. So yeah. In a quick nutshell, that's all everything about me. <laughs> it's so good because it's so foundational. Like there, it affects every area of our lives, right? Like you get that right. And so you can be so much more effective everywhere else and your mood and all the things you mentioned it just now, but talk to me a little bit about this term of sleep training. Like, yeah. why is it triggering or controversial or like what, what's, what's going on there? Yeah. So this is what I like to share, especially to my colleagues. When I talk to like my friends who are SLPs or nutritionists, nobody is like, oh, how dare you want to feed your child vegetables? You know, like no. <laughs> you're going to teach them how to eat. Um, and then with my SLP friends, I'm like, everybody wants to know, like, how do I teach my child to talk better? Everybody let's talk about potty training. Everybody's like, yes, my kid needs to use the potty. But for some reason, when we talk about how to sleep well, it brings out everybody's opinions that are all over the map. And um, so sleep training is teaching your child to sleep. And so there are really this conversation goes to what is sleep training and sleep training. If you're going to sleep train your child, there are only four methods of sleep training. And this is where the confusion comes in. So there are only four ways that you can teach your child to sleep. The first, if you think of a line all the way, let's say to like the left side is the cry it out method. And this is what people think sleep training is. It's just, oh, sleep training is just cry it out. The cry it out method is actually called the extinction method. And this is the method where you put your child into their crib. You say goodnight, you walk out the room, you close the door and you don't come back for 12 hours so that the child extincts themselves or air quotes, cries it out until they fall asleep. That's the cry it out method. And you know what? For some people, that's exactly what they need. And that's exactly what works for them. And I'm so glad that those people found a method that works. That's not for everybody though. Some people that's like too much. They need, they need something a little bit um, more help, more helpful, a little bit more of like, no, how can I help my baby? So then you come down the line of sleep training and then you have the, um, leave and check method okay. or the Ferber method. People say this too, right? Mm -hmm. Where you come in, you check on your baby, you leave and you come in increments to check on them until they fall asleep. Okay. Then right about in the middle, you have the camp out method or the stay in the room method or the sleep lady shuffle method or whatever you want to call it. It's all the same <laughs> thing um, where you sit in a chair beside your child to help them fall asleep. And then gradually over a few days, you move out of the room and then all the way on the other side, let's say on the um, right side of this line, we have the pick up, put down method, or the, if you want to say gentle sleep training or no cry sleep solution, it's just over there. Okay. I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about that because even as I'm saying it, people are like, yeah, you don't believe in that. Like, yeah, pretty much. Um, but I don't, well, it's not that I don't believe in it. It's just that that's not what I teach. So okay. if you are somebody who is all for, you do the gentle method, you're doing pick up, but down with your child. And that's the method you're choosing. Again, I'm so glad for you. Yeah. You can be all over this line on a sleep spectrum, whatever works for you and your family. 
at little Z's, we teach the middle two. We teach the leave and check and we teach stay in the room. And even when I say that out loud, I guarantee you someone listening is like, great, I'll just grab a chair and come sit next to my child tonight. And we'll just gradually get out the room. It is way more complex than that. Um, especially when you have a toddler and a preschooler who can talk to you and get out of their bed. But with sleep training, you're, you're equipping your child with the skills on how to fall asleep independently. That's what you're doing. And those foundational skills last a lifetime. A lot of parents have told me over the years, like, yeah, I never slept well as a kid and they still don't sleep well as an adult. Mm -hmm. And so we're changing that, that pattern from the beginning. When you teach your child to sleep well, this is a gift that lasts their entire life. And I am, I really get really passionate about the fact that if you don't sleep train your child, that's okay. That's totally about you. But if you are not happy and you are not healthy and your family is not well rested, you can change that. Mm. It does not have to be that parenthood equals sleep deprivation. That is not what you signed up for. That is not the reality. And I, I get really frustrated with the internet and with social media that it's evil if you want your child to sleep well, or it's how dare you give me a sleep schedule. That's great if you want that. But you know what? If you are desperate and you are not happy, healthy, and well rested, we can help you change that. And there are options. So um, yeah, that's what I'm, I get excited about is the benefits and really turning that tide of like, no, you don't have to be a tired mom. You yeah. can actually be happy, healthy, and well-rested. Amazing. <laughs> um, for those two middle methods that you guys teach, mm-hmm. I guess my first question is at what age mm-hmm. is it appropriate to start these methods? Yeah. And then are, is there one of the four or the two that you teach, that's better depending on the age of your kids. Like is one better if they're the preschoolers or if they're the newborns? A hundred percent. It's like, you know, my programs through and through. Absolutely. (laughs) So sleep training happens. It can begin at 16 weeks from due date, because that's when, if you think of the four month sleep regression, Mm -hmm. all that is, is the newborn is no longer a newborn. They now have mature sleep cycles and they are able to independently self-soothe. So that's when it can begin. That doesn't mean you I'm never twisting anyone's arm. So if you have a 16 week old and you're like, I don't want to do that. That's fine. You do you. And that's totally okay. But that's when it begins. So for babies from four months, all the way up until 17 months, I teach the leave and check method. That is the quickest for them. It is the um, easiest for them to latch onto. There's even within that four to 17 months, there's a magic pocket that I love. It's the six to 12 month olds. If you have a six to 12 month old, they are going to get it so fast. I'm saying like within two nights, you're seeing a radical difference Whoa! with the four to six months. And then the 13 to 17 months old, it's not that much of a difference. It's like four nights and you're seeing a difference, but there's something special about those six to 12 month olds. I've seen, I've worked with over 500 of them one-on-one. Like I know this, they get it just like super fast. It's like they were waiting for it. So I use, yeah. yeah, I use the leave and check method for babies and then the stay in the room method. And actually, as I'm saying that out loud, we actually do use a little bit of staying in the room for our young 16 week olds. Um, but then we obviously are getting out, but really we lean heavy into staying in the room with your toddler and preschooler because mm-hmm. everybody, you just picture it in your head. Can you imagine you're laying with your child every single night to help them fall asleep and you come back in their room five times throughout the night? You can't just say, okay, bye, leave in the, like, close the door. Yeah. I'll be back in 10 minutes. Like, you can't do that because they're going to follow you right out. Yeah. So, our toddler and our preschool programs equip you with what to do when your child says, no, I don't want that how to um, implement some um, strategies to ensure that they stay in their bed, um, tools like toddler clocks. Like we, we teach a lot of the, the conversational skills. And so 
it's really never just about like, oh, here's the method, go, you know, copy and paste and apply. It's all about the setup that you have and how you're you're talking with your child about this. So yes, I love that question. There are definitely we teach these two methods, but we teach them specifically for um, separate ages. Oh, okay, that makes sense. And then you mentioned the four month sleep regression. <laughs> what is a sleep regression? Like, why do they happen? What's going on with our kids? And what do we do? Do we just like wait it out? <laughs> yeah, there's really a four month, an eight month, a sometimes 10 month, a 12 month, and an 18 month regression that are like wow. real. And basically what's happening is we say it's a regression, but it's just your child's changing their needs. Um, It's kind of like, I I always equate what we do to like um, your, your physical uh, working out or your diet and exercising, right? Um, There comes a time when you are working out and you're eating really well, like, okay, you see a lot of progress and then you plateau, right? And you're like, oh, maybe I've regressed. Like it's not happening anymore. That's because you need to change things. Now you need to like pivot your work. I need to pivot your diet. Same thing with your child's as they grow. You can't just do the same thing for four years. That's obviously not going to work. So when they are zero to three months old, they have very small wake windows. There's, they need a lot of help. They need a lot of things, but then their body changes at four months old. They now develop naturally. They go from chaotic sleep cycles. And then around 16 weeks from due date, they develop mature sleep cycles. They don't just have two REM and non-REM anymore. They now have more complex, more mature adult sleep cycles where they cycle through different stages of NREM sleep. They go through REM sleep at a different pace. So one example of this is when a newborn is sleeping, 50% of their sleep is happening in REM, which is rapid eye movement. That's when we're dreaming. Once they hit four months old, it now reduces to about 20% of REM sleep. And again, this is for adults. This is when we are dreaming. And so their sleep cycles change, their sleep needs change. But what happens, why it's a regression is that okay, you're four months old, but parents are still applying the newborn strategies, which no longer are working. And so then they're like, why isn't this working? My baby's not sleeping anymore. What's happening? Well, it's because you just naturally need to change things. They now need to have more awake time, less naps during the day. They need to have a different schedule. They have different needs for their feeds. So things are just changing. Um, And the same thing at eight months and 10 months and 12 months, there's just some things that begin to change that you have to keep up with. And that's really the hallmark of what we teach is how to keep up with those changes. There's a lot. And so if you know the roadmap of like, okay, this is where we're going, you can actually avoid those regressions somewhat, but at least you'll know what's coming. So regressions are totally normal, but the way to know if it's a regression or it's a new habit is that this rough patch lasts for maybe about two weeks and then it's over. You'll know that, okay, this is now just more than a rough patch and we need to, we need some help if it's more than two weeks of difficulty. Okay. That's helpful. So it's really, we can kind of reframe it as they're signaling to us that something is changing and they need something different in their sleep routines. Yes, Mm. exactly. And then two weeks. I just, I like, I love knowing these benchmarks because sometimes you're questioning yourself. Like, is this normal? Do I need help? So that's, that's really helpful. Have you ever caught yourself wondering why you do the things you do? Like, why do you get so angry and yell at your kids when they're moving at a snail's pace in the morning? Or why is it so hard to relax when the house is a mess? If so, you've got to take my personality patterns quiz. Because here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. And over time, those defenses became a habit. And then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality 
is really actually often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There's five different personality patterns. And they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategy that you immediately go to when you start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who you are, but rather what's actually blocking who you are. And the good news is that once you take the quiz and you learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern and then live and parent as your true and authentic self. So click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality patterns quiz. So my kids are a little bit older now, four and five, but I guess for the last five years, bedtime routine has evolved and changed. I would love your take on like, what is an effective or what's your take on routines? I guess what's an effective routine. And then the same question too, like how does that routine need to change as our children grow from newborn to five? Yeah. Everybody thrives on a routine. Mm. Even if you say like, I don't like schedules. I don't like routines. If I were to nitpick in your daily life, you have a routine, you have <laughs> breakfast, you go for a walk, you have lunch, you take a nap, like you yep. just, you have routines. Everybody has them. And so especially children and babies thrive on routine because they know what to expect. I would even argue even more so a toddler and a preschooler benefit from routines like the most of everybody because they have no control over anything in their life. Yeah. But if they know what's expected of them, they can fall in line to that. Right. And they can, there's actually even freedom within that routine for them to have some choices. So, um, an example of that is a bedtime routine for a toddler and a preschooler is either bath or shower, whatever they do. And then let's go ahead and do jammies. Let's brush our teeth. And then um, even within that, you could say, like, do you want your blue stripe jammies or do you want your polka dot jammies? Like giving them some choice in there. Okay. And then I like to go to their room. You can even play for a few minutes with the child. Um, bedtime routine for me is not a time where everybody's got to be super quiet. Okay. And you got to diffuse the lavender and turn the lights <laughs> down low. Like this is like very freeing for me. Sometimes Good. I feel a lot of pressure to be like quiet down or like my husband will come in and they're like surfing. They love to like surf on his back. And I'm like, we're calming down. Okay. Tell me more. Okay. So yes, actually, I'm really glad you said that because I, I used to, I used to have like, when I would do my consultations and I went through plans like multiple times a day with families, I always added this in. I'd be like, yeah. So you know how dad goes in and rough houses with them? Yeah. Keep doing that. Like keep doing that. And the mom's always like, be quiet. <laughs> like, no, seriously. So let's have for a toddler and a preschooler, they have so much energy, especially if you have boys. Um, I don't have boys. I have girls, but I have worked with enough boys to know they have a lot of energy and it is actually highly beneficial for a child to just get it all out of them before they get in bed. Okay. Now you and me cannot go outside, run a lap around our neighborhood and then climb into bed. That'd be too much stimulation. But for a child, they have just pent up energy, get it out and then go to bed. So I, like I said, we have bath or shower. Then you're going to do your jammies, brush your teeth. Now we're going to go to your room and we're going to have five or 10 minutes, whatever your family can do of one-on-one -on -one play time with no phones, no screens, just engage and connect. And when you do that, go into the child's room, sit down on their floor and be like, Hey, what do you want to do? You want to go surf on daddy's back? Do you want to build blocks? Do you want to race cars? Do you want to have a dance party? It is, this is their moment to choose what they get to do, but it's within a boundary. Okay. It's within five or 10 minutes. And so you need to have a timer going for this. Okay. And when the timer goes off, 
okay, now it's time to read a book and then we go to bed. So you still have that simmer down moment of the book, but it's actually incredibly beneficial for a toddler and a preschooler to just get that last little bit of energy out. You're connecting with them. You're having fun, giggle, laugh, like have the best time and enjoy that. that. And that's what it should be. Bedtime should be enjoyable. Mm. If you can, if you say that your bedtime routine with your child brings anxiety because you don't know when they're going to fall asleep, you just, you just got to be there until it happens. And then you don't know what's going to happen throughout the night. That's not, that's actually not normal. You need to have a normal bedtime routine where you can say, we're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy this. I'm going to read a book. We're going to connect. Then I'm going to give you a kiss. You're going to get into your bed. I'm going to turn the light off, leave the room, close the door, and you go to sleep within 10 to 15 minutes. Mm. That is the norm. That's what we want. And so, yeah, um, bedtime routine, you can rough house. You can have fun (laughs) because that's what the child wants. So just enjoy it and have fun instead of trying to like stifle it. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Now I'm just thinking of last night in particular, where this happens all the time, especially with the age that I'm at, they come out and they come out and it's like, they have a question. They just thought of a joke that they need to tell me they need to go to the bathroom again. They're asking for all the things, right? Mm -hmm. What do you, what do I do? (laughs) Yeah. So I have a whole process that I teach with the hatch clock or any type of toddler training, toddler clock. Okay. They, they have to have a routine. They need to know when can I ask mommy questions? Because it's not when you leave the room and say goodnight. That's no more question time. So if we go through that bedtime routine that I just went through and we talk about colors of a clock. So I love the hatch clock for kids. Um, And what we'll do is say, okay, green is go time. We're going to use the stoplight analogy. So green is go time. Green is when you do your, your bath or shower, your PJs, you brush your teeth, you have your play time. And then the clock turns yellow and yellow is slow down. And it's last call for whatever you need. Do you need to go potty? Um, do you, do you need to ask mommy a question? Um, is there something that you, do you need, this is my girls. Do you need socks and tissues and chapstick next to your bed? Like, like what do you need? And if you have that clock be yellow for like two to three minutes, this is their stalling time. We are giving them permission to stall within your boundaries. Okay. I guarantee you this will solve it because they are just trying to push the buttons. Mm -hmm. They are trying. They're like little police officers going around to like, is this door secure? Is this door (laughs) secure? They're just trying to like push you and be like, can I get in this one? Can I get in this one? And the moment, the thing is though, the moment they open that door, they're like, ah, I don't know what to do. They then feel actually, they feel insecure about that. So you're doing the right thing. If they are coming out and being like, nobody go back to bed, nobody go back to bed. But it would be even better to allow them to have some time to get it all out of them. Just like the energy part. Okay. Then we got to pivot to like, what is it that you just need to get out of your brain? Yeah. So do you need to, yeah, again, you have a question, you need to go potty. Like, what is it last call? And then the clock turns red and red is time for bed. So -hmm. that's our stoplight um, series that I go through. And so red is time for bed. You're going to get in that bed and it's time for sleep now. Going a step further from that, because I can already hear a parent being like, that's great, Bugga. They're still going to get up. Yeah. So you have to, you have to incentivize that child. Okay. I am, I'm not above prizes. Um, but we want to be careful though. I can already see someone getting the chart out and being like, great, you're staying in your room for two weeks and you're going to get a prize. <laughs> Children are not motivated by long-term goals. They're only motivated towards small little things that they can do. So it literally is a, is a reward or a prize when mommy closes the door and says, good night. And if, when you stay in your bed, I will be back in 10 minutes to give you a sticker. 
Like you can literally do surprises while they're going to sleep, go and give them a sticker on their pajamas or something like, I don't care. It can just be something small. It can be a kiss. It can be a sticker, a bandaid. I don't know. Kids love that, but (laughs) something small. And then you're going to reward them the next day too. So the next morning they wake up, it has to be instantaneous rewards Uh or they're never going to do this. Your child will never stay in their bed. If you, they have to do it for seven days in a row, they're going to lose track of that. Mm -hmm. My eight-year-old doesn't know how to like tell a calendar. So you've got to keep those rewards constant and consistent for them. And that's going to help so much for them to be motivated to stay Mm -hmm. in bed. Do you also use um, like the hatch clock or a system for the morning too? Like, does that red light stay to a certain time and then they can start their day? Yeah. Good question. So the fourth color is then um, it can be blue. It can be purple, um, whatever color that's not green, yellow, or red, Okay. Um, blue or purple. And then the reason I like the hatch is because the birds can chirp on it. Okay. And so for a young child who's maybe working on their colors, at least they know like, okay, when it's morning, the birdies chirp. And when the birdies chirp, you can come out of your room now. Um, and it, it gets more advanced as they grow. My, my eight-year-old example she can tell time now. Um, but before she couldn't, we let the clock turn a transition color 30 minutes before so she could play in her room and then, okay, now it's time to get up. So using the clock, there's really different ways you can do it. If you are like, no, I've got a two-year-old who does not understand all those colors. You only need to do red is time for bed. That's it. Red is time for bed. That's it. And then it stays red all night long. Um, on the hatch, you can make it different intensities. So you can turn it really, really low light, but red is important. Don't be like, Oh, my child hates red. And that's weird. I don't want a red, red light at night. Actually red is the least intrusive color on the light spectrum. And so it's not going to interrupt their sleep, but a blue light will, and a white light will. And so we want to keep it more red because it's not going to wake your child up. So red all night long, and then you can have it be blue or purple or pink with the birdies chirping in the morning. And we wake up then. Mm, I love that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about when we feel notice sense that our kids are overtired. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we are off our routine or there's like a night we have to stay out late or holidays are coming up, all of that. Um, when we start to notice it, like, what do we do? <laughs> what does it mean? I guess. And then what do we do? Yes. We're actually right smack dab in the middle of this with my youngest. Um, okay. we've had her bedtime is seven 30. She's six years old. Her bedtime is seven 30 and she will sleep a good 12 hours, um, between 11 and a half and 12 hours okay. every night, um, uh, which she needs that. And the problem though, is that we've had a lot of events going on. Um, they had to come pick me up at the airport the other night and I got in at seven. So she didn't go to bed till eight that night. Yeah. Then we had a fall festival and she went to bed late and then she was at a friend's house for a birthday party until seven. And so it just, we're actually four days deep now into she's going to bed later. And guess what happens? She wakes up early. That's what happens. If your child is overtired, you think, oh, sweet. We stayed out late. They're going to sleep in. Absolutely. Never. (laughs) That will never happen. Adults, we will do that, but a child will not do that. They are so overtired. What's really happening is their body is fighting adrenaline throughout the night because they're overtired and they're like stimulated and now they're hyper and then they go to bed and they're like still fighting it throughout the night. Like I'm awake, (laughs) I'm asleep. And they're just kind of like, they're, they're getting restless sleep. Mm. It's not, it's not the best for them. And then they're going to wake up early. So this morning, guess what happened after four days of going to bed 30 to 45 minutes after her bedtime, she was up at five 15 this morning, Mm. had to go to the bathroom. Then she's playing in a room. And I'm like, I can't even get mad at that because it's literally our fault. <laughs> like yeah, we've fair, been putting yeah. you to bed late. Yeah. So what are we going to do tonight? We're going to put her to bed early. Okay. And so if you are in, you're like, oh my gosh, my child is overtired. They're waking up early in the morning. 
They are, um, another sign is crashing to sleep. If they're falling asleep within five minutes at bedtime, they're overtired. Okay. So you need to put them to bed early. This could be 30 minutes early. It could be an hour early. You know, your child best. So for Hattie tonight, she's going to bed 30 minutes earlier because she needs to go to sleep. Um, and she needs to get more sleep. So that's your, your number one way to combat overtiredness is to get them to bed early. They will not wake up early. You think that, but they will not. You're helping them with their body, get to sleep. They need to catch up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so you're not going to change that clock. It's still the same time in the morning. They're not going to wake up earlier because you put them to bed earlier. Trust me. Yeah, I do trust you because I live it. (laughs) I see. (laughs) Um, And then how about with our really little ones? If they're like missing nap time and that's the interruption, like how do we, what do we do? Like, how do you make that up or early bedtime again. So early, literally, if I could just make sweatshirts that were like early bedtime, like (laughs) we, I think my whole entire team says this multiple times a day to people. Oh, you didn't nap. Okay. Early bedtime. Oh, you were out and about early bedtime. Oh, they had a car nap instead of a crib nap early bedtime. Okay. So that is going to be your like saving grace for any day that a nap didn't happen or a nap was short. You're going to put them to bed early. Mm. Then the next day, if, especially if you were out and about, Um, you know, let's say, okay, it's Thanksgiving day and you don't have the nap schedule on point. That's fine. Enjoy your life. That's kind of the point is you get, you have off days, but when you know that sleep is a thing and you have a system and a schedule and routines in place, you can enjoy an off day knowing it's cool tomorrow. I'm just going to get back on my nap schedule. Mm, The reverse of that is if you have no idea when your baby sleeps and you've got to constantly hold them, bounce them, rock them, feed them to sleep. You actually don't know what's going to happen the next day. Yeah. yeah. So imagine actually enjoying your holiday, knowing that tomorrow they're just going to go back in their crib and I'm going to be able to like have my peace and quiet time. Like that's the best. So overtiredness and then the next is is solved by early morning um, or sorry, early bedtimes. And then the next day jumping right back into your nap routine. routine. Okay. Love that. I want to know a little bit about nightmares. Like, is that, are there some kids that are more like predisposed to having nightmares? What, what do we do about them? What, what's your advice? Yeah. I actually just published, you know, in line for Halloween while we're talking, (laughs) um, I just published a whole blog all about nightmares and night terrors and what's the difference. So we can link that so that people can go more in depth, but actually overtiredness, that's going to cue nightmares. hundred percent. So is there a disruption in their sleep cycle that's causing um, not really what's okay. happening. It's, it's just imagery from the day. Right. Okay. And so they're there. That's only really happening in the REM sleep, which is typically you're going to have these dreams in the late, late night, early morning. Okay. Um, or especially another reason too, is because I mean, I've experienced this all the time. If I wake up at four and I'm like, got to go pee. And then I come back to bed. I know I'm going to have a dream. I know it like in that time, that like one and a half, two hour time block, because you're having a little bit of lighter sleep. And that's when you're going to have a dream. So imagine that your child is overtired. They're restless. They're not getting the full like quality restorative sleep. They are restless. They're having lighter sleep. They're having more dreams. They're having more nightmares. Okay. So that's happening. Um, they're having imagery throughout the day from maybe whatever they saw. Um, also avoiding screens, like the best thing that I'm, we do not have it perfect over here in our family. So please no one listen to this and be like, your kids sleep 11 hours and they don't watch TV. Uh, but I am telling you, cause I've lived it. 
um, that we took screens out from our life Monday through Thursday. And when we did that, we have completely different children. Ooh. And I think moms know that like TV creates monsters sometimes. Although I use that to my advantage when I had two under two, there was so much TV going on and you do that. There are seasons where you're going to binge that for your Survival. child. Yeah. Yes. But now that they're older and I can tell, I can tell when they watch too, too much TV, yeah. it directly impacts their nighttime and their attitudes. So mm-hmm. if you're noticing your child is having frequent nightmares, just turn the TV off. Do not allow them to have that screen time, or if anything, at least cut it off two hours before bed. Um, and then what I want you to do is try to get them to bed a little bit earlier because that's likely overtiredness and see how that changes things. Are nightmares different than night terrors or is that two names for the same thing? Two totally different things. Okay. A nightmare, nightmares can happen. You know, I don't really know how they know this, but as young as 18 months, they say like a child can have a nightmare, but a night terror is a completely different thing. That is, um, it's actually, that's a true sleep disorder. And those happen sometimes around two years old, but really around like four years old and up. Um, and so that's directly related to sleepwalking, sleep talking. Those are true sleep disturbances and disorders. You can still help them drastically by going to bed earlier. Um, but two different things. And then if you, if you think that that's happening, you can check out that blog. Cause there's a whole bunch of like differentiators between a nightmare. You can wake your child up and help them, but a night terror, you cannot wake them up. It will become worse if you wake them up. So okay. you kind of just have to like go through it, but there's two different totally things. Yeah fascinating our brains are so fascinating right it's That's interesting like yeah. i know so cool i have a question about maybe some moms that are listening who are hearing all of this and they're like whoa like there is better sleep solutions for me and my mm-hmm. family um and they're realizing that maybe they are in some sort of patterns or habits that aren't serving them well like they're not getting yeah. good rest maybe it's the kids in the bed maybe it's they don't have routines and these things how do they start going about changing what they've been doing? Yeah. Um, so first of all, first step, if you're like, I think I need to sleep train. I think I need to make some new patterns. I think yeah. I need a bedtime routine. Your first step is to talk to anyone in your family. Who's going to help you talk to your spouse, talk to your partner, talk to other caregivers. I have seen this firsthand. I have literally been in people's homes because the mom hired me, but never told the dad. And I come in to work and the dad kicks me out of the house, right? Like I have been in these situations where it is not a good thing. So please make sure that everybody's on the same page. If you want to make change, talk to your spouse, your partner, your caregiver, the other caregivers about this, because it is highly important that everybody's on the same page. Because I mean, I've got story after story. Then I've been in houses where the dad sabotaged everything we did. And I'm not trying to put all the blame on the dads, but it's typically the mom who wants to make the change. And then the, the partner is not on board. So definitely talk and have a real conversation about what does this mean? And, and talk to them. Hey, what's it going to mean to you when we can put our child into their bed, say goodnight, close the door, they fall asleep within 10 minutes and then they sleep 12 hours. Yeah. What is that going to mean? Right. Oh, we can watch a show together. We can have a babysitter. We can sleep in the same bed again. Like, what is this going to mean to us? So talk about that. And then the second step is get a plan. Don't take parts and pieces of things that you found on the internet or a blog and be like, I think I can just cherry pick this and put it together. There are professionals for a reason. It's just like, I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, yeah, I want to start working out again, but I'm not going to go to that gym and just pick up a dumbbell and be like, I don't know what I do with it. Like I'm going to literally hurt myself. So you have to have a plan and you have to, you got to have that Um, trust with someone, whether that's an in-person sleep coach that you want to work with or an online course like ours that you want to commit to, you need to find a plan and stick with it. Be consistent. 
do not cherry pick. This is always eye opening to people, but I coach over 200 sleep consultants on how to run their business. We're all different in what we teach, mm. you know, similarities, but we're going to be different. So yeah. I love all those 200 women, but don't listen to all 200 of them. Find the one yeah. <laughs> that you're like, this is the one I match personalities with. I, I align with their sleep philosophy. I'm going to be consistent with their plan because that's when it's going to work. Okay. So make sure you talk to your family, make sure you find the plan and then implement it and be consistent. And you're going to reap rewards within a week. You're going to see a massive wow. difference within a week. It's incredible. That is incredible. It's how quickly mm -hmm. daylight savings coming up. Yeah. What are your, like, what do we do with our kids? I know it's always like, I, I guess the light is one thing like the earlier bedtime, but then the mornings too can be a struggle. Like whether it's now or in the spring when we're, when we're um, going forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I have a, again, I would say, cause this, I, even on my own podcast, when I talk about daylight savings, I just tell, Hey guys, scroll down and get some screenshots. Because anytime <laughs> I talk about numbers, people are like, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? <laughs> Literally every time we post it on Instagram and on our blog, people always comment or like, I think you got it wrong. I'm like, no, you didn't. You're just confused. Like, <laughs> because it's confusing. Okay. For some reason it's more, it's more complicated than calculus sometimes. Cause you're like, wait, <laughs> so I move back and I move forward and I split the difference. Like what? So fall back, obviously you're falling the hour back. And so they were normally waking at seven. Guess what? That's now the new 6am. Yeah. You just got to go with it. I do not subscribe to the, to the philosophy that you need to like make all these tiny adjustments yeah. leading up to it. Okay. Literally you wake up on that Sunday and you got to be like, all right, 6am. Like, and some people, Power you know hour. what, if you are, if you have an older child, you can do this a little bit differently, but for babies, they're just, they're going to wake up at six. You cannot just keep them in their crib and be like, no, just go back to sleep. Okay. Their body is literally awake and ready. Yeah. So you're going to have to do that, but it's going to take about four to five days to adjust your schedule. And I have free adjustment schedules that people can download. So I'll send that link to you as well, yeah. but you're going to just follow an adjustment schedule. You're going to split the difference. You're not going to keep your, your old nap time and you're not jumping to the new one. You're going to split the difference by 30 minutes. So that's really how you're going to handle daylight savings is splitting the difference for four to five days until we're kind of feeling back on track, but gosh, I hate daylight savings. <laughs> it's a bummer. I know. Oh man. Tell us a little bit about how your courses are structured. Are they all like online self-paced courses? And then within that, what kind of access do they have to like ask questions or things like that for people who are super interested, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So our courses are laid out on, on a timeline. So our newborn course is completely different. That's education that you can start and rewatch anytime you want to, Okay. um, from before you have your baby all the way up until 15 weeks, you can be watching and learning like what to do as your baby is growing and changing and learning all about that. Our baby program is a two week program. So this is what happens. You buy the baby course you watch the 45 minute video where I'm teaching you exactly what to do for what are your goals? What's your bedtime routine? This is how you're going to help your baby fall asleep for bedtime. This is how you're going to handle night wakings. This is your nap schedule. This is how you're going to get your baby to fall asleep for naps. We cover it all. There's nothing that's left untouched. Oh. You are night and nap training all at the same time. So for our baby program, you get the plan, you digest the plan, and then night one comes and you implement that. And for 14 days, you are implementing this plan, but I don't just leave you high and dry. Instead, over those 14 days, every single day, you have a voice memo from me walking you through like, hey, this is probably what happened last night. So here's what you're going to do tonight. Um, Again, I coached people for years, over 500 families in a one-on-one -on -one capacity. 
I know exactly what's going to happen with your baby as you go through this. And so I get messages all the time. Like, that was so creepy. How'd you know they're going to like roll over? I'm like, I just do like you just, there's patterns. So, um, for 14 days, I'm telling you exactly what to expect, how to progress through the program and really kind of letting you know, Hey, you should be seeing this success. Now, if you're not seeing the success now, reach out to my team. So we have sleep consultants who are trained by me. They are amazing extensions of who I am. And you can chat with them, um, like text chatting, or you can get on the phone with them and talk to them. Um, and that's, so our baby program is a two week plan. Our toddler and preschool programs are three week programs because bigger child just takes longer, so a little <laughs> bit longer. Um, and that's a 21 day program. So again, for the plan, you purchase the plan, you watch the 45 minute video, you go on night one. And then over those 21 days, you get unique messages, letting you know, this is what we're going to do. This is how, this is what's happening. This is what to expect. This is what to tell your child when they now say, you know, mommy, I don't like my bed. You know, I literally go through word for word, what your child will most likely say and how to deal with that situation. So, so what I love about our programs. They don't just cover like, this is how you're going to do it. I cover like what they're going to do in response. And yeah. um, I think our programs are just um, exactly what a family needs. If they want that step by step, no fluff guidance on how to sleep, train your child effectively. So all of those are at littlezsleep.com. You can check those out at any time. Amazing. And then just because it's a three week program, you're saying that there's, you're still going to notice improvements and there's absolutely way sooner than that, like within a few days. Yes. So for toddlers, you're going to see a radical change within one week. I mean, immense changes. My preschoolers, you're going to start to see like, all right, yeah, like there, we're getting this bedtime is easier now, but the thing with preschoolers, and I, I say this confidently because it happens it will be day 21. And you're going to be like, yes, they slept through the night. Because here's the thing. A five-year-old takes way more time to like undo habits and reteach new ones than a five-month-old. So you're fi- you've got to have a lot of patience. Um, our preschool program, I've even had like eight, nine, 10-year-olds use our pr- preschool program before because it's it still works. Um, it is a program that's effective for older children as well but it just takes a little bit longer. And so I'm not saying it is, it is never too late to sleep train. Absolutely not. You can sleep, you can sleep train as an adult. There are adult sleep coaches who can work with you, but it just takes a little bit longer for our children. I mean, even for adults, it takes six weeks to like undo habits. So for a toddler and preschooler, we're looking at 21 days. Um, and that's, you're going to see a completely different child really within about a week or two. Wow. That's remarkable. I love just, yeah, the empowerment that I like feel even just listening to the fact that these resources are available, right? None of us yes. has to be stuck in this zombie state. Good sleep for us and good sleep for our kids is available. Yeah. And there's people that can help us achieve exactly. it. Exactly. What they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And this is good. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the work that you're doing as a fellow once sleep deprived mom. Um, it's just so important. So I'm excited for the women who are going to be listening and have access to you and your programs because they deserve good sleep. Yes, everyone does. Everyone, no matter your sleep philosophy, as long as you are happy, healthy, and well-rested, that's the goal. But if you are not sensing any of that and you've aligned with what we've talked about, yeah, we'd love for you to come check out our programs. Beautiful. Thank you, Becca. Yeah. Thank you for having me. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up, 
and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram at themotherhood.podcast. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Motherhood Podcast. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources, information on how to join and participate in the Motherhood Village and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.